The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's coming up here shortly. He went out to practice last week, Ole Miss spring football practices and pro day. So let's overreact to what Brad saw at practice and pro day. It's going to be the Bradley Sal power hour here on Talk of Champions. But Wes Burton, Ole Miss reliever, is coming up too on the Modern Women phone line. A lot to cover. Ole Miss baseball, off to the best SEC start since 1969. And of course, a lot of football. Before we jump into it, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue. Just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit, Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Wes Burton, Ole Miss baseball reliever. And on Thursday, it's supposed to be Ole Miss defensive back Tyler Knight. So a fun week to come here on Talk of Champions. 
Brad, you had a fun couple of nights. You and your neighborhood welcomed Coach Yo back from the NIT, and it went kind of viral in the Ole Miss community. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Yeah, that was that was really outstanding, man. I, I was I was contacted by her actual neighbor, who is a Mississippi State fan. Believe it or not, this is how much Coach Yo is is loved in the neighborhood and and, and in the community. So, kind of contacted me, you know, run that ran that idea by as of. Um, you know, let's, let's do something nice for coach Joe when she comes home, you know, win, lose or whatever. She still is, is got that women's program fun to watch. I mean, I, this was probably the first year ever. I really paid attention to, to the Ole Miss women's basketball program as much as I did, just because I, I, I know, got to know coach, coach Joe a little bit and she's really cool. You know, I like the way she recruits. I like the way she talks. So she kind of drew me in a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't watch a ton of basketball anyways, not women's or men's, you know, it's, uh, I, I pay attention very lightly compared to the other sports, but yeah, you know, w- when she came home, um, you know, we, we kind of put the word out there and we were kind of amazed with how many people showed up and, um, man, when she pulled up around that corner, first off, she had no clue that the cops were going to escort her. They, um, they set that up as well and, um, she had no clue what was going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a neat deal. She was crying. I mean, it was it was really cool. I mean, I, I thought it was a really cool teaching for my for my children as well. You know, just kind of teach them how to you know support and and show a little compassion and really appreciate the um, you know the the people around you in the community. Um, you know, and, and kind of lift them up whenever you feel like they're a little bit down. So it was cool. She tweets out this picture, and you'd already sent me the video of her return with all the police escort and everything like that. And I look at the picture. And your big ass is back there in the back of that picture, towering over everybody. <laughs> You're triple the next person, man. It's this big NFL lineman and everybody else in this neighborhood. I mean, my God, man, there's Brad just towering over God and everybody. Yeah, dude, Oxford's a special place, man. I mean, there, there is, um, there's so much good here. Um, and I, I was really, really happy that, that we were able to, to make her feel special when she came home because I mean, I think the day and age we're in now, um, you know, there's no better time than, than, you know, first off, we haven't been able to get together in forever, um, outside of our homes. And on top of that, you know, you have a special individual, you know, working her tail off for the university and, and what you and I both know is not an easy job, um, at Ole Miss, probably one of the hardest jobs is the basketball program. So, um, I thought it was really neat. Um, thought it meant a lot. I mean, everybody in this neighborhood loves her. She's very, very personable. She's very nice to everybody. I mean, she is cool as it gets and authentic. So it, it was just a cool moment, man. I mean, it was um, it was really cool to do something special for, for, for a really special person. You've been really busy the last handful of days going in and around Ole Miss, man. It's not just Coach Yo and the women's basketball program. You were out there for Pro Day. Saw Elijah Moore set the world on fire, running a sub-4, 340. And also, you were there for practice and things like that. Man, you've been busy. Yeah, I've been I've been getting getting around a little bit. I I, I was talking to someone within the program, and I, I didn't realize that the first time I went over there, this is, that was the first time since 2016 that I've been to the indoor facility, and that was when we played Arkansas that crazy night, or sometime around in 2015-16. So I mean, I'm not one that typically comes back in town and goes over there, but getting to know some of the coaches and, um, you know, some of the people within, I was really interested in getting over there and, you know, checking out practice and, and pro day and they extended the invite to me. So, um, you know, went over there and checked out. It was, it was a really, really, really neat day, um, to actually get to see a lane kit from practice and to get to see the program, you know, cause I, I haven't been back in a while. It's been a while. What jumped out the most 
about your first Lane Kiffin practice? I hadn't gotten to go out to one. Well, I think that um, I posted I posted this on the board, um, and, I, and I saw Jeff Levy, you know, probably two nights ago, out at dinner, and um, I just told him how impressed I was with how organized and how well ran their practices were. I mean, it is such a smooth operation, man. There's not a whole lot of wasted time, not a whole lot of senseless stuff going on out there. Um, I, I was just extremely impressed with how how productive they are, and then you watch some of our coaches work. And I mean, I've been around a lot of coaches, so I kind of know, you know, what kind of guys we have. And there's not a whole lot of belittling and degrading. There's a, there's a lot of guys really working to get their players better. And I really mean that. I mean, you know, really taking the time to, to fix a guy's technique or, you know, or having a lot of extra coaches out there working with these guys. And it's just always an extremely productive operation. And um, a little bit like Pete Carroll up in Seattle, which which uh, I really enjoyed playing up there as well. So it, it was just very well organized, and and you can easily see right away why they get a lot done, and why a lot of the players got a lot better this year. You were fired up when you called me after you went to practice, and one thing that surprised me is that the first name you brought up was not Matt Corral, was not your boy Snoop Connor, it was Dennis Jackson, who we haven't seen much of anything from in the first two years, and you're saying he's out there just showing out. Yeah. So here's the thing. So it, it took me a little while to kind of get the numbers down pat. So I found myself walking around and, and, and when I was kind of within drills, I'd, I'd say, Hey, who's this guy? What number, you know, who is, cause, cause a lot of times, I mean, there's so many guys out there compared to the NFL. It takes me a minute. And right away I saw, um, I saw number five and I kind of thought that was Dennis Jackson, but you know, I, didn't, I didn't know there's, there's some certain guys wearing the same numbers. I mean, there's a five on defense as well. So um, I kind of got his name because right away, man, I was watching one on ones, and he um, he's so explosive, and and Duke can like get out of his breaks, and he's he's on another level when it comes to to movement compared to a lot of the other guys. So um, then I asked the coach, I was like, hey, you know, what's the deal with him? They said he is going to help us this year. Um, you know, he he is he's getting much better. So yeah, I mean, it, it right away he kick and glide, and I mean, he can absolutely run. So he, I had no clue. I was like, man, I can't believe this kid hasn't played much. So. Um, I think they're looking for for big things from him this year. Who impressed you more, Dennis Jackson or Jacor Pearson? Either one of those guys impressed you more than the other, or do you kind of see both of them having a role? I, th- I think they're both going to have a role. They're both going to have very different roles. I think um, I think Dennis is going to be more of a deep threat type of guy. Um, you know, he really, uh, most stuff he was doing in practice was was downtown. I mean, he was, um, you know, he was he was going deep. So, and then Pearson was kind of all over the place, man. I mean, he was, um, uh, he had a, a ton of ton of touches. I mean, whether it be catches, whether it be, you know, all kinds of different stuff. But he was a, um, he was all over the place. I mean, yeah, I, I saw right away. I think they're going to be the use this kid. And and in talking to Levy, I just said, hey, I mean, that's pretty impressive for a free body. You know, for for a guy like that to walk on, who I think is going to potentially be the starting slot or or have a, a really good role on this team um there i know they're very impressed with him to kick and he kick and move he's he's small he is very small but um he's kind of yoked up kind of really nice build and um kind of all over the place just catching the ball running running pretty sharp routes um just look good i mean made made some good plays throughout practice how small are we talking here um, I mean, not not crazy small, but he's he's definitely a, a scat type of guy. I mean, he can he can roll. I mean, he can he can he called it you know, a few sweeps, few few little little quick passes to him where he was able to make some people miss and, and roll. Matt Corral did his thing for you. You've talked about this well before he was named the starter officially, even though he was the number one quarterback, won that job pretty early. But you talked about the arm talent and the arm strength. 
Was it on display that day? Because it sounded like, from everything you were telling me, and I'm just kind of drawing it out of you for the rest of the people here, that Matt Corral was doing his thing. Yeah, so so I, honestly, I, I've never seen Matt Corral live throw. I've only seen him on TV. Um, you know, full disclaimer, I, I, I did not, I wasn't sure, you know, what I thought of him as an NFL prospect. But after I went and saw him at practice, he's very – He's very, very good, man. I mean, he he spins the ball. He he is very confident with the way he throws it. He fits balls in there um, in spots where I know other quarterbacks probably wouldn't have the confidence to throw it into. And um, no joke, I, I do not think, and I watched very closely, I do not think the kid missed a throw all day. And I'm talking deep shots, you know, throws over the middle. I mean, th- there was if, if there was a ball that was incomplete, it was because the receiver dropped it or because it, um, you know, went through his hand there. He didn't miss many throws at all. And I was standing there with Tom Luke, who, who is, you know, works up there and he, we were watching from the back and he made a few throws and Tom looked at me and said, Hey, now I never seen a throw this kid doesn't like. So, I mean, we were just cracking up back there. He was just fitting balls, you know, on the dime in between two guys for, for big throws and big completions. So, um, I feel I feel really confident saying that I think he has a chance to be to be a, a pretty um, pretty special quarterback that 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 could go fairly high. Let's completely overreact to Brad's one trip to a Lane Kiffin practice. You mentioned Matt Corral's draft status, draft stock, and looking at him. If you were an NFL scout, just getting that look at him, what's your eval right now in March? I would I would say he is he's top three rounds for sure depending on how he performs, um, but I think if you look at the overall um, you know landscape of NFL quarterbacks and quarterbacks being drafted now, um, I think I think that there is a shift for guys like him. I mean, you look at the guy from BYU that's going out this year, and I, th- I just think there's there's he he's got a real shot to to actually go high when in previous years you thought maybe not so. Um, man, I, I just, I, I've been around, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks spin it before. Um, that's why I feel confident saying that I think his arm talent is for sure there. Um, you know, he, he was making, making really good throws and he would get outside the pocket and make things happen too, can use his feet. So I feel pretty confident. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not a, not a NFL evaluator to the T, but I, I feel like I've seen enough guys throw it where, where he's up there in, um, in arm talent. This is fun. It's fun to actually talk about football, for you to actually have been out there. Most everyone, including the media, hasn't been out there. This is great. And I'm just trying to step out of the way, get the hell out of the way, and let you tell me what happened. The offensive line, Ben Brown, he's out for the spring with an injury. And that's your spot. What did they look like? You know what? They they actually they looked really good. I mean, you had... Um... Obviously, with Ben out, with a center out, it's you know there there's it's a little bit tough, but you know Broker looked really good. Um, I think that, that I think Jeremy James is getting most of the right tackle reps and in one on ones. I was fairly impressed with him as well. Um, you know they were that well coached group. I mean seriously, I, I stood there with the O line most you know probably fifty percent of the practice just because I know Clem and I know um, Phil who helps out as well just kind of seeing what drills they were doing, watching the guys. And um, again, just a very efficient operation. Um, they don't waste a lot of time. They work on things that they're actually going to be doing, you know, in practice. Um, they're not just out there, you know, hitting sleds and doing all kinds of random stuff that, that has nothing to do with blocking a guy. Um, you know, they're out there doing really good drills. Um, you know, just well coached. You can see why, um, 
you know, why they, why they play so well. I mean, you got broker leading them, got a lot of guys just work really hard. I mean, there wasn't really any lazy looking guys out there. They were all kind of competing and, and doing their thing. So just, just really impressed. I, mean, I think if you look at talent wise, if you didn't have as good a coach, they may not be as good as they are, but I think with the coach we have, he really gets the most out of, out of all those guys. And, um, I think some of the guys are a lot better than they would be, you know, if they had a different coach. I totally called Jeremy James playing right tackle. I called that. Yeah. Um, I think he's getting the first look, but there, there was another kid, um, that actually looked pretty good as well. I think he was number 76. That's um, Cedric Melton. That's the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Cedric Melton was his name. He, he has some talent. I mean, he, he, he can bend very, very well. I think he's just a little bit young, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he showed some flashes as well. Now they got, they got a couple, they got a couple options there at right tackle. They also have a, a kid from Germany that has quite a bit of time left as well, that he has probably the best body of any of them. He has a very NFL looking body. Um, just think he's maybe a little bit behind on development, but I think that in time he could be a, um, be a legit option at tackle. Defensive observations from Brad's trip to practice. Very impressed with the secondary um, right away, man. I mean, dude, this Springer guy and um, and Reese. I mean, when I as soon as I'm I'm standing behind watching the defense, those two kind of creeping around, you know, going into the box, all all you know, creeping. I mean, they, there's some good. Those are two really good looking safeties. And um, I know I know um, Springer stepped in front of a, a pass early on and made it made a pick, and um, I think it was in seven on seven or or, or some drill. But yeah, that the, the secondary looked great. Um, you know that uh, Miles, I think it's Miles Battle. He was getting in there quite a bit. If I'm not mistaken, he may have been running with the ones or getting a lot of reps with the ones. Um, I, I seen Prince made a few plays on um, you know one on ones. It looked really good. I just think that they had they had really good energy. I mean they they looked really good. It's hard to judge the D line because they weren't in pads, but um, but but they were very active and and they did have one on one. So I, I actually was you know. I, I thought we would be a lot worse on the D line just looking at them live, and and they they look like they have some dudes that that can really you know get after as well. German offensive lineman you were talking about is Tobias Braun. Yeah, Tobias Braun, shirt, freshman. Yeah, he's six seven, three hundred and ten pounds. The JUCO defensive tackles. What's up with them? Yeah, so so both of those guys. First off, they look like twins. It was unreal. Same body types. I mean. It, it was wild, and if you, they almost had like the same hairstyle too. But they were, they were not, they were not practicing that day. They were, um, you know, they're they're a little bit more athletic looking guys, and I thought they were a little bigger, but they they were a little bit more kind of jack guys. So um, they were not practicing. They were they were on the side. They were kind of going in and out of drills, but they weren't doing anything live. Let's circle back for a second. Did you say Miles Battle was running with the first team defensive cornerback? Yeah, it looked. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If it wasn't first team, it was. It's it's hard to tell sometimes if it's first or second team out there because, you know, they're they're kind of rotating guys in and out. But I, I'm pretty sure he was getting some reps with the ones because he was going against, um, you know, some of the ones receivers as well. So he yeah, he was he was in there. He's definitely a key factor. And um, I mean, dude, he's like six foot something. So if he can actually play corner, like and be a decent corner, he's like could potentially could be a first rounder. No joke. Because they they draft if you're a corner and you're decent or over you're six one or more. I mean, they automatically put you in the first round half the time. So, um, yeah, he, he, he definitely, definitely looks solid. Look, I know you're excited, but slow down. Slow down. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if Miles Battle, if Miles Battle is halfway decent at corner, 
they will draft him high. I'm telling you, ask any scout well, in the world. That's fine, if, if, but first round, Brad. Come on, that's rich. Listen, Miles battles six one and runs like a four four or four three. I promise you, he's going a lot higher than anybody would have ever thought. If he if he, they still have to be a good player and play well. I'm saying, but you can be halfway, you can be average. But if you're six one, six two, and you're playing straight corner and you can play man coverage, you are going in the first round. He's six three one ninety five according to the yeah. official roster. Yeah, that's that's if he plays corner good at six three, then he's he's going up there. I know he didn't play too much last year at cornerback, but he did show some pretty good ball skills. And I think that's why if he can click with it, those skills play. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He, he, yeah, I think he was put in corner, what mid season last year. Yeah. But now he's had a full off season and he has the, this unbelievable frame. Think about this in the secondary. If you were able to have a miles battle, if he was to become a serviceable corner at six, three, you got Springer and Reese, who absolutely look like NFL guys back there. I mean, Springer is is yoked, and he's like six one, and very slender build. Looks like Eddie Jackson. Then you got Reese, who is obviously tall and slender. I mean, that's a humongous secondary with some real length. So um, that's why I just thought that that from a look standpoint, the secondary just looked they looked good. I mean, overall they looked good. Wait, is Springer starting? Yes, him and him and Reese were out there with the ones. Can they cover? Pick six, pick six in Ooh. practice. Um, look like it. Oh, which one, Springer or Reese? Springer. Ah, I'm getting a little excited here talking about some football, man. Because look, last year was a fun year. They were five and five, won the Outback Bowl. There's still a lot we don't know about this team, mainly because this influx of talent and what they're going to have coming in. So a guy like Jake Springer, who yeah, he was a part of the team last year. He wasn't a part of the defense. If that defense can take any kind of step offensively, they have all the pieces. Yeah, Elijah Moore, who we're going to talk about in just a second. Elijah Moore is gone. But they have the pieces offensively to just keep going, to build on what they had last year. Defensively, if guys like Jake Springer and Miles Battle, whoever, step into roles and they make a jump, it doesn't have to be to the 60s or the 50s. Just make it to the 80s. Because they, they were in the 120s in a couple of categories last year. You're talking about a humongous step and possibly winning 10 games because your defense, yeah, your offense is good and it's going to be good. We expect that. But your defense is at least getting off the field and getting the ball back to that offense. That's something that didn't happen enough last year. A lot of the times, Ole Miss was winning track meets. Fortunate to beat Kentucky. Lost to Auburn. Lost to LSU. Lost to Arkansas. Now, defensively, Arkansas, that went on them. But there was no way if Kentucky hadn't missed that extra point that they were stopping Kentucky. They needed some fortune. They got it. Offensively, they had to be perfect. Way too much last year. If your defense can just take a step to mediocrity, consistent mediocrity, and maybe they're really good in one category. They're really really good at turning the team over. That's all you really need from them. Yeah, absolutely. And based off what I saw, I I really think they're going to be much improved. I mean, first off, you can't get any worse. And secondly, I mean, you just have everybody back and you got to think that they're going to be be a little bit better this year. I mean, you got you got a lot of older guys that that decide to come back. You got Sam Williams, you got the linebackers, but you got everybody back. So um, there, there's a lot for them to get, to look at and learn from and get better for. And then, uh, just a prime example, um, you usually don't say stuff like this, but 
this was probably an hour after practice, and you had Muhammad Sanogo and Lakia Henry. They were literally out there, took their jerseys off, had their helmets on still, just out there just doing a bunch of – I mean, going over everything in the world. I'm like, what are these guys doing? I mean, it's literally been an hour. It's just little stuff like that I think that um, that's going to mean a lot. You know, you got leaders that kind of know what they're preparing for, um, older guys, and then mixed in with all this young talent that, that came in and, you know, adding a Springer, adding, adding some, you know, Otis Reese for the full year. I just think they're going to be better. I really do, just based off what I saw. If, they, if they're if they're bad this year, I, I would be really shocked. I mean, I think that they're going to be much improved. This is Get Hype Tuesday with Bradley Sal. You know a lot of people are about to be fired up just because of all the things you've talked about here. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I It's one practice. We weren't in pads. I, I don't want to get people too excited, but I, I know pretty much what I was looking at. I I'm confident enough to say that that they, you know, they, they really did. I mean, it's it, overall it looked like a very solid operation, a very like a good football team. It really did. I mean, they were competing, and and the defense looked looked better. I mean, we got some guys over there, man. It's fun to overreact after one visit to practice from Bradley Sal. Just throw it to you. <laughs> you tell me what you saw. It's more fun this way. I haven't seen it. I think I'm going to be going to the practice on Saturday, but I'll be there with the public. I'll be sitting in the stands. Are you going to go Saturday if you can? Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I try to, I, I, li- I like to go over there, but I don't like to, you know, show, I don't want to be one of the guys that shows up every week, you know, yeah, you don't so, want to be that guy. Yeah, no. And, and that's, that's not my style anyways. You know, I go over there and, you know, if, if I'm invited or, or, um, you know, have a reason to go over there, I'll go over there and, um, you know, talk to the coaches, whatever. So yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll pop in there. I probably bring my family out to one of the Saturday scrimmages and may go over another day and, and just watch when they get on pads just to kind of see. Um, because, you know, here's, here's the thing that, that you do have to realize with football. Some guys look really good in shirts, and, you know, pads are a little bit different. So I, I think that, you know, and then some guys look bad in shirts, but they look really good in pads. So um, that'll give me kind of an idea of what I was looking at. And, you know, if you, if you go out there and people have different opinions, that they may, may maybe a guy just had a really good day and impressed me. Maybe a Dennis Jackson just looked really good the other day. But, you know, as time goes, the more I see him, I, I did see some pretty pretty neat stuff, some pretty cool, cool-looking cool talent out there. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions with Wes Burton, Omus reliever, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I want to know more about this Mark Robinson dude, this linebacker, this transfer from Southeast Missouri that Lane Kiffin brought up by name 
in his first press conference for the spring. We don't know anything about this guy. He transferred here last year, and we're just now hearing about him, talking about depth with linebackers, and he's being mentioned. I want to know more about that dude. What what number was he? 35. So 35, if I'm not mistaken, they had him rushing the passer. Ooh. If I'm not, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was he was participating in pass rush drills because I had um, – yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that that's who that guy was because I, I did see a number 35 over there. I, I didn't catch a catch a good glimpse of him, but I, I think he was doing pass rush. So, um, which which he did did look pretty solid at that. So, um, yeah, I'll probably check that out next time. See, I go to see, what... see, I'm just gonna throw assignments at you. That's what I'm gonna do. Now, your first assignment is Mark Robinson, the transfer from Southeast Missouri. We got to know more about him. How's Sam Williams doing? You saw him. Yeah, Sam. Sam looked really good. I mean, I got to see him live. He's he looks like he's got a little bit bigger, which is which is nice. I mean, he looked pretty yoked up. Um, re- looked really impressive in pass rush. Um, you know, won his reps, and then um, you know, ninety five. What's it? What's ninety five's name? The big um, Tavius big Robinson. Kid. Yeah, Tavius Robinson. Man, he that kid's got a, a a really good frame, and he's pretty athletic as well. So. I think those two dudes would be very good to build on on the outside. You know, if they if you let them get out there a little wide and actually let them rush, um, yeah, I, th- I think those the, those guys that they they look really impressive. Those are SEC looking bodies. Are we kind of overdoing it though? Because there has to be a few guys that didn't necessarily impress you that you were looking to impress you. Is there another side to that coin? Yeah, but there, I, I would just, I just didn't think that there was, there was anybody that was eye poppingly that that I wasn't impressed with because I've never seen some of these guys live. So, um, I mean, yeah, there, there honestly wasn't a guy that I was disappointed in in seeing. And that's that's no joke. I mean, I just kind of, um, or, or, or if I did see something that that I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't take note of it. I went out there with a with a really positive mindset. Because that's find who the- you are, man. You had the red and blue glasses <laughs> on. You went out there. You're getting fired up. But you did add the caveat, and it's important. I was more out there looking for the talent than looking for the bad. So, so, so if a guy probably didn't impress me, I probably just started watching someone else. So, um, yeah, there there was no one that. I mean, you got to think they weren't in pads. So that that is that is the thing, but. Um, you know, I, I was trying to look and see who did impress me. And that's, that's really who I was keeping them the most notes, the most mental notes on. See, this is what we need to do. This is what this podcast needs to be for the spring, sending Brad out to a practice and getting your observations. Let me stop talking and let you just carry the load and tell us all about the football practices. Cause who cares what I think? I don't know what I'm looking at. You actually know what you're looking at. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Need to get to this real quick. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. That's the board that Bradley Sal referenced earlier. That's where he posts. So check out the Ole Miss Spirit, and you'll see more from Brad, not just this podcast. You'll get to interact with him. Isn't that great? How's Pro Day? <laughs> um, Pro Day was impressive, man. I mean, I, I went out there trying to – I really wanted to – I mean, the, the main reason I wanted to go over there was Pro Day. Then ended up getting invited to practice as well. So, um, yeah, I just was interested to see Royce, um, you know, see how he was going to do. And then, obviously, I knew, you know, a handful of scouts that were going to be there. So I got to catch up with a lot of those guys. And I knew that if I went over there, I would be able to, you know, 
hang out with some of the scouts and, and ask questions, you know, Hey, what do you think about, you know, Elijah? What do you think about Royce? Um, you know, so I thought it'd be cool to go there and especially since I knew some of the guys, so it was, it was a really neat day. I think that, um, I think that Elijah Moore really impressed I me. Mean, that that goes without saying. I mean, everybody already saw what what he did, but yeah, it was it was really impressive live. I mean, and, and people were hyped too. I mean, it was really cool. Every time he did something good, everybody was cheering. I mean, it was it was really a neat day for him. I asked you this before the day started about how much pro day can actually help a guy like Elijah, especially knowing that he's going to be a top three round guy. And now we know quite obviously that he helped himself. That you can help yourself. Not just by what he ran in the 40, but by the amount of reps he put up with 225, the cone drill, the short shuttle. And now you're seeing a lot of the fallout from that performance. I was reading some things on Monday, actually. Elijah Moore, among receivers in college football last season, he was third in pro football focus grade at 91.2. He was fifth in, with 505 yards after the catch. He's moving up boards after a big-time pro day. He could possibly sneak into the first or early second round. And on NFL.com, he was projected to go number 28 to the Saints, which would be a great fit. I noticed Drew, no Drew Brees anymore, but still a good fit there as far as scheme. And then I looked at Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network and his projections for the draft. And Elijah is one of the top climbers for him. Ranked number 38 overall now. He's climbed 12 spots. Mm-hmm. Pro Football Focus has him number 20 in their top 100. He'd be a lock for the first round if he was six foot. Have scouts not learned their lesson here when it comes to Ole Miss wide receivers? Because you can say what you want about Laquan Shredwell. He didn't come close to living up to his first round hype and selection, but he stuck. He did play for a number of years, as did Dante Moncrief, who is still in the league. And free agents like Cody Core. And we haven't even talked about AJ and DK. And DK was in attendance for Elijah's performance on Pro Day. Elijah's getting dinged, I think, only because of his size. Him being undersized was actually mentioned by Daniel Jeremiah. If he was six feet tall, we wouldn't even be having a discussion. Because at Ole Miss Pro Day, me asking, can it help him? Yes, it can help him. Because he tested off the charts. Now, the only thing anybody's talking about is, okay, he's 5'9", 5'10". He's a specialty guy, maybe. At worst, he's Jalen Rager. Yeah, so so I I don't think Elijah was getting dinged for size. Believe it or not, he was getting dinged for speed. And that's why that's. That's why everybody's freaking out so much. They, they, these these scouts and GMs, they they are they are mind blown that this kid ran a four three, and you know some of the knocks have been, hey, he doesn't look as fast in the second half. Well, what our coaches have tried to do is tell them, listen, we run that. He's in there for eighty plays a game. He has to be. He never you know, came he, off the field. There was nobody never, to replace yeah. him. Exactly, he never came off the field. So he's out there. You know, it, when when you get him to the to the NFL. He's going to play 40 to 50 snaps tops and this is going to be full throttle the whole time. So I think that, you know, I think these coaches phones were blowing up when they reported back that, that the kid, there was a, there was a few scouts that had him at a four two eight, and I know it, I saw it on their paper. So, um, <clears throat> I think these, these GMs just, just are, are struggling to even believe that he ran that based off of what some of his second half film looks like 
but they try to tell him, listen, man, he's, we ran a, we run a up tempo offense. Everybody's going to be gassed and look a little slower in the second half at our offense. So, um, I, I think that that is kind of, um, what has driven him up the boards is that while this kid can really move, he's not just a quick, you know, good route runner. The kick can actually fly as well. His floor is so high, so high. I mean, I, I see Hollywood Brown at worst. Yeah, he well, if you look at his mind, if you look at the way he carries himself and his mindset, I mean, I've never met Elijah more in my life. I only see him on TV, but I got to trying to get him on the pod is kind of hard right now. He's pretty wanted man right now, but yeah, yeah, but but just it looks like it looks like a very serious kid with a very pro style mindset. I mean, you look at the video online of him hugging his mom and um, you know crying. I mean, I I think that the kid is. A lot, a lot of football and, and things that gets overlooked is the mindset and the want to and the and the and the pro mindset. You know, within your within your player, you know, sometimes people don't look at that when they're drafting kids, and that's when they get burned. But I think whenever you get a kid who has the right mindset and and wants to get get better and and, and wants to succeed, then 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 nine times out of ten, with the guy that has his talent with that mindset, you're gonna get a pretty damn good football player. So. Um, just the way he carried himself, um, you know, I, I was impressed. I really was. The criticism of it not being laser timed is that kind of removed because there's a consensus amongst the scouts about where he ran. If one guy's got a four two eight, one's got a four three, you know, around what he ran, what he did. Yeah, well, I mean, they they people hand time it anyways at at the combine as well, even though the laser may say something different. So. Um, you look at it all the time. You think so. A guy runs. Uh, I think it was like Dex or you know people all over the town. They run like a four six at the combine. They come to pro day and all of a sudden they run a four four. You know, so it's a um, you know, th- th- there's two different times and and people realize that and it doesn't matter. A hand time is still hard as hell to do. It's hard to run a four four on a hand time, much less a four two. So, um, it, it, luckily for him, they didn't have the laser time and and that's what he ran. So after he ran that first one. Um, I'm, I'm glad he didn't run a second one because he, he, he made, he, he made himself a, a lot of money on the first run. And, and I'm not gonna lie. It was impressive live. He was scooting. No, you turned to a coach, you said, and told them, Hey man, you better not let him run another one. He just made some money. No, I literally screamed out loud to Tom Luke, cut, go tell him to shut it down. He, I mean, listen, there, there's, if he goes out and runs that second one, it's a four, four, eight or four, five, and then it makes the first one look like a fluke. He, he did it one time for him. That's all he needed to see. And, um, yeah, he cut it off after that. Is that really how scouts treat prospects? Um, well, I, I just, I wouldn't, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, from a personal standpoint, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do it again if I were him. So I would, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't never, you never want to give them a reason to believe that. See, that that's what I was going to say. I've talked about this before with CJ Johnson, with Kentrell, I think with you too. Scouts are looking for a reason not to draft you. And that's why you that, have to protect yourself. You have to be a one man business. I think Chris Coglin said that to me and it rang just so true to me and I've held on to it. You have to treat this as if you're a one-man business and look out for yourself because no one else is. So you were absolutely right. Don't run another one because they're looking for a reason to knock you down boards. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're watching everything you do. And, um, you know, one, one wrong move. And if this guy doesn't really like you that much, I mean, this guy could be assigned to your area. He could really not like you that much on film or, or really want their team to draft you. So he finds a couple of negatives and really highlights those in the scouting report and then it drops you on their board. So 
Um, but, but then again, there could be guys that maybe, maybe you are my guy, like you on film and everything you do good. I'm going to highlight it. So, so that way they draft you and it's my guy. And then it looks like I'm smart because I found this, this great player. So, I mean, it works both ways, but yeah, once you come out and run a four two eight on some people's watches, you go over there and, um, you know, you go get ready for the next drill. You don't even never give them a chance. Maybe you slip on the next one. Maybe you pull your hammy something. I mean, you, you, you did what you needed to do there. What were the scouts saying? I mean, I was standing right next to the Broncos and the 49ers, and, and the, the guy turned to me and said, wow, this kid, man, just really went in the first round with that run. So, And then I, I knew a couple of other ones. The guy from the Lions, um, very impressed. He was um, he could not believe. I, I know one thing, they could not believe that he timed that. I think they all thought he was a 4-5 guy. Um, you know, I think that they just judged off what they, what they saw on film. I think they really thought he was a 4-5 guy. That's crazy to me. If you watch the start of games, it was totally different. He just played every single down in an up-tempo offense where they're trying to run as many plays as possible in a game. I say, I think sometimes that NFL talent evaluators overthink things. Just watch the tape. This guy put up 200-yard receiving games like it was nothing every single week, and that's with him being gassed at the end of games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, but like you said earlier, man, that's their job. They, they dig deep and they really find reasons not to draft you. And, you know, the ones that they feel like, you know, they end up drafting are guys that they couldn't find anything wrong with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think he came out there and showed it, man, he was so impressive throughout the day with, because one thing I learned about playing, uh, I did get to play a, a somewhat skilled position my last year or two, but what really separates you in routes is how you can get out of your break and, and how quickly you can, you can kind of get in and out. And man, he gets in and out so fast that you really can't guard a guy that can create that extra separation. I mean, but we had this with Allen Robinson with the bears. He's the same way. He's not, he, he, he doesn't run real fast, but he is so good at, at his footwork is so good at getting in and out of breaks and creating separation, sticking it at the top just little stuff like that that's really hard to, to teach. And, and there's a lot of receivers out there that, that struggle with that that are, are good players, and they struggle with getting separation. And um, I think he's a guy that can really get open. We got to get to Wes Burton. Before we do, Royce did awesome. We should talk about him, but I want to touch on something. I keep getting asked about Chad Kelly. Was there anything to take away from Chad throwing? So I really did. I mean – the reason why I didn't pay much attention to Chad is because first off he came there and all he did was weigh in. So uh, we were, we watched a million drills before he ever threw and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he, he spun the ball well, but everybody knows he has good arm talent. I just don't know that, that he could have done much out there in shorts to really help himself. Um, you know, he didn't run 40, none of that, which they, they didn't don't expect him. They, they know he can throw and stuff. I mean, it's, he's out there in shorts. He should, he's NFL quarterback. He should be able to throw it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just was more, um, more paying attention to Royce and, and Elijah. And I think that, I mean, those guys knew what Chad Kelly was. They knew that, um, you know, it, at this point you either want to take them or take a chance somewhere you, or you don't, right. you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot that, that Chad could have done out there other than maybe have a few interviews with guys or something that I just want to talk to him that I've never talked to him. Maybe they put in a good word for him. But at this point, you know, it's, Teams know you. They've seen you do, a, you know, throw the ball a million times. There's really not a whole lot for him to do to help himself out there in shorts. This is a question totally for me because I've always wondered this. You see a lot of former players come back to their school and go through the pro day. 
Nick Brazel did it. String did it this week or last week. DeMarcus Lodge did it last week. Does it ever really pay off, though? Do teams really ever take guys? You never see it happen. They always come in and work out in front of all these scouts, but those scouts, they're regional guys. They're there to see Elijah Moore. I wonder if that ever actually pans out for those guys that come back and go through all the drills with everybody else. Well, I think occasionally it can, but but I think the reason why those guys were truly invited is because um, because to, to protect Elijah. Okay, so the, these co- they had a position coach here from the Panthers, um, which is I think is a wide receiver coach or somewhere along the lines of that. But they're not going to put a guy out there to take every single rep, um, you know, and him get gassed and look bad. So they wanted some kind of rotation at wide receiver, which is why they reached out to those guys and had them come back. And at the same time, they can maybe help themselves a little bit too. But but at the end of the day, it was it was to protect Elijah and and to make him you know give him some some rest in between each rep where they're not sitting out there. And when I mean, you think about it, how odd would it be if he was the only receiver and there's everybody gathered around and he had to sit there and wait every single play you know to catch his breath? Like he can't just run the guy to death because he has to run you know quite a few routes out there. So um, that that was more or less to protect him. That actually makes a lot of sense. Okay, I get it now. What fired you up more? Practice. Pro Day or Ole Miss Baseball getting its second consecutive SEC sweep? Oh, man, a great weekend all around. Um, <laughs> You're so fired up, man. Y'all should see um, the text. One day I'm just going to be on this podcast sitting here reading text from him because, man, you get so hyped during those games. I know. I know. The the, the, the baseball, baseball was cool because um, – you know, I, I discuss with you all the time about how spoiled we spoiled we may be because I feel like we're what are we twenty and four? Twenty and four, 20, six and zero in the 20, SEC. Yeah, yeah, and then after tomorrow we'll be twenty one and four, and right. and you feel like, and you almost you almost feel like this. Okay, when's it going to kind of come unglued? Feeling is what everybody kind of has, but at the end of the day, they just keep winning, and we have a really good ball team. We should you know just get behind them and support them. And, you know, I, I'm just, you know, every little thing that could go wrong, you know, or, or come unglued, then all of a sudden, you know, they end up, you know, sweeping out of them when you think that, that they're going to struggle in SEC play. So, I mean, yeah, it was just, a, just a good, good weekend. I mean, I think that the, the biggest story in baseball, as you see, I think, I think we're really getting a superstar in McCants. I mean, I think that he is. Um, That's my guy you know, right there. Yeah. I mean, he's smooth, man. I mean, if you, why, why people ever throw that kid a first pitch fastball is beyond me because he is so aggressive at the plate. But I, I think that you, he is him and him and Gonzo, man. I mean, those are two really good freshmen that are going to be, be the core of that program. I'm not trying to throw cold water on your enthusiasm or anybody's enthusiasm because Ole Miss did what it was supposed to do. It won its first, first six SEC games. That's all it can do. It can't win its first eight. In playing six, it won six. That's all that matters. Results are all that matters. And now it's a 24-game season, and if Ole Miss just goes 500 the rest of the way, they're at 18 and 12, and they're a national seed. So they did what they're supposed to do. But Alabama was without two of its weekend starting pitchers. Auburn missed their ace. And Ole Miss offensively was really streaky. They went the first four innings of game three in Tuscaloosa, with two hits and two walks. They exploded against the relief core of Alabama, but for a while there, it was a struggle against a guy that replaced the original starter, who was a late scratch. So there is, I understand, a little bit of concern offensively. 
but they couldn't have done anything more. And I think you made a really good point. It goes back to being spoiled. Ole Miss was 16-1 and last year. They're 20-4 and this year. That's 36-5. and 36-5 and over their last 41. And yet, here we are picking them apart at times, me especially, but the Ole Miss message boards, oh God, the world's coming to an end. They've won 36 of their last 41. They can't do much better than that. They can't. And there are a lot of SEC fans out there, especially from Arkansas, when you see anything on social media about Ole Miss, oh, they're coming in with, Arkansas's better. I don't know where this hatred of Ole Miss came from for Arkansas people. They need to chill out. This is bizarre. It's okay for Ole Miss to be good and Arkansas to be good. Social media is a cesspool. I'm getting off track here. Point being, Ole Miss has done what it was supposed to do. So yes, there are some things that you could point to and say, maybe put a red flag in that. It could come back to haunt them later. But at the end of the day, results are all that matter. And if Ole Miss goes 500 the rest of the way, they're at 18 and 12 in the SEC in a national seat. That's all that it comes down to. They have set themselves up in the best position possible to be where they want to be at the end of the year. They're getting a full season in, and this is about as well as we could have hoped for from this team that came in with such high expectations, even with a few warts that they have. Yeah, I mean, they're... They're going to have a few weaknesses. Every team has a few weaknesses. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, they're they're winning games and they're 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 playing clutch. I mean, they they, they literally they they won a game. They won a few games there down at the end, and um, they're just a good solid team. They really are. And I think as long as our pitching is um, our starting pitching is as good as it is, um, you know, it's they're going to be a tough tough team to beat. I mean, these Arkansas when we get to play Arkansas, Bandy. I mean, Mississippi State, those series, I mean, those are going to be some nail-biting two-to-nothing games, two-to-two. I mean, there's not going to be many runs scored in those games. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see the next next couple couple series coming up. I mean, I think that if we can somehow go down there and get two or three from from Florida, I think you're 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 setting yourself up for a massive weekend in, in Oxford when, whenever the Razorbacks come in town. Oh, my God, it'll be so packed. Ole Miss's next nine games are against three teams ranked in the top 15. And Florida was in the top five before getting swept by South Carolina. So you get Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Arkansas is the only home series. Don't panic. Don't do your typical fire my Bianco if they go four and five. If they go just 11 and 13 the rest of the way, they got a home regional. They're in a really good spot. They couldn't have started any better. The Louisiana Tech game sucked. Sure. But they've done everything and more to start SEC play. For the first time since 1969, they've won their first six SEC games. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. There are some things that we worried about. The bullpen depth, the offense, the sporadic nature of the offense. I get it. But 6-0 in the SEC for the first time since 1969? That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Every team. It's baseball. It's baseball. Weird stuff happens in baseball. You can have two hits through four innings against a spot starting pitcher and then go on to score 11 runs. It's baseball. Weird things happen. You can't have that football mentality with baseball. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think. We see Arkansas on our schedule. We see Mississippi State. We see Bandy. But you know what? They see us on their on our on their schedule as well. We're I mean, we're we're a top five you know, top three team as well. So it's not an easy out for them. And it's, it's certainly not easy out for us. It'll be a big league, big league matchup. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about it. I mean, the, the, these are, these are the games, these are the games that are going to test the test our team and get us ready for, for when, when we do make it to Omaha, if we do make it to Omaha. So we're, we're in the regional. So it, it's good to be in this conference, getting this kind of competition. And, um, I wouldn't want it any other way, honestly. Right in the mix of all of it. Wes Burton, sophomore Ole Miss reliever for Ole Miss baseball. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and a food of 247 Sports. It's time to go to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Wes Burton. Today's guest on Talk of Champions and Tyler Knight, Ole Miss defensive back, is coming up on Thursday. Before we do it, see you, buddy. Enjoyed it. See you, Ben. Howdy, Toddy. Let's hear from B&A Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Joined by Ole Miss baseball reliever Wes Burton. Or as Pitching Ninja would like to call him, college baseball's favorite psychopath. What's up, man? What's going on, Ben? How are you? I'm good, man. College baseball's favorite psychopath. Do you like that? I don't know if it was the nickname I had in mind growing up, but (laughs) I guess we're here now, so I'll, I'll lean into it a little bit. You've caught fire on social media because of your pre-pitch routine where you're kind of talking into your glove hyping yourself up what are you saying into your glove honestly I think the perception from the outside is that it's just all f-bombs and me talking a load of mess to the hitter and stuff like that and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you there is an element of that (laughs) 
but I would say the majority of it is more me keeping myself locked in pitch to pitch and picking a specific focus for the pitch I'm trying to execute and whether it's it's a fastball away to a right-handed hitter and I've got a, a physical cue that I'm feeling like I want to I want to reach out or I want to feel my glove side in a certain position. And so I have a couple like different kind of short phrases that keep me sort of like locked into what I'm trying to execute. And just ultimately I'm trying to execute one pitch at a time. And then as soon as the pitch is over, it's, it's done and we're on to the next one. And so that's really what it is. My way of staying locked into each pitch. Um, Is there an element of, of the F-bombs and stuff? Absolutely. But more so keeping locked into each pitch. What's one phrase that you use every single time, if you can say it? Um, it's not every single time. That's the, that's the interesting thing. It's, it's very dependent, and it's dependent on the situation as well. Um, if there's something that like I'm feeling in particular that day, maybe it's like really reach out would be – would be one, I guess you could say, like for take the example of a fastball away to a right-handed hitter. I don't want to kind of cut myself off. I want to really feel myself reaching out front and extending and, and feeling myself reach straight through, uh, straight through the catcher's mitt. So there, that's, that's one of the more PG examples. When did this start for you? When did you start hyping yourself up pre-pitching your glove? I, I mean, I think I've done it as long as I can remember. I just, in high school, didn't really have all the cameras on me that we do here. And so it never really kind of was brought to my attention as much until like get out there against Louisville last year and then open up Twitter after the game or even, I think, talking to you guys, talking to the media after the game, someone had asked like, hey, what are you saying when you're talking to yourself out there? And I was kind of like, oh, shoot, people noticed that. <laughs> ah. Here we go. Now I look like a lunatic out there. Um, but it, it, it wasn't, it's not a show thing. I think people, sometimes the, the haters on Twitter, if you will, I've seen a couple of the comments that it's like, ah, oh, it's just an act. That's his shtick or something like that. It, it's really just, that's my way of keeping myself locked in. And I just have kind of rolled with it and it works for me. So I'll, I'll stick with it. The haters on Twitter Let's just be honest. They're always going to be there. Twitter's a cesspool. Social media in general is a cesspool. When you really try to break it down, I've kind of likened it to other baseball traditions. Maybe a guy wears certain socks. Maybe he has to have the same pregame routine. Maybe he has to have the same walk-up song. Whatever it might be for you, it just happens to be cussing at your glove. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's you got to – baseball is a very superstitious game, and – We've all got we've all got everything that makes us tick, and so that's that's mine, I guess. How are you feeling right now? Because I looked back at the history. I wrote a story last year about the freak injury with your fingers when you're trying to help the um, the field squad just get the field ready, and you close your fingers into the bullpen door. Then you had the shoulder soreness coming into this year. How are you feeling right now? Physically feeling great feeling great just um really really grateful to to be in a position where i mean we've got a we've got a ton of talent this year and and going back to me physically i mean we've got 
in at least in my opinion, the the best kind of physical development and training staff in the country between Coach Boone up in the weight room and then Josh Porter, our trainer. Um, they're just awesome at at not only keeping guys healthy and keeping guys on the field, but I'm I mean, continuing to help us develop. And so, I mean, physically, I've never felt better. I feel great right now. And just trying to put myself in a position where I can, I can just go compete and not be worried about, worried about anything else when I'm out there on the mound. Has it been a slow build this year so far for you, though? Because you're a big bullpen piece and likely someone that would be relied upon more often than you have been so far. But because of the slow build, I would say, because of the injury stuff and the injury history, maybe it's taken a little bit more time. Do you feel yourself ramping up more and more? Yeah, definitely. And just, I, honestly, I would more attribute that to the, I mean, just we are so fortunate with the the depth that we have this year, partly because of, of COVID and being able to return all our seniors that I think Coach B had mentioned it the other day that we'd thrown like 18 or 19 guys thus far. And that's that's not because coach B just wants to run everybody out there. That's because that's how many talented guys we have that, that can compete for innings here. Um, and definitely, I think there's an element of a, a little bit of a slower build, just trying to make sure that there's no, no lingering issues, but I've felt great every time I've run out there and um, excited to, to keep going out there now that we're into conference play and um, just doing whatever, whatever I can, whatever my role is to, uh, to help us win a national championship. Look, you and your class didn't get SEC play last year. You're robbed of that. You only got a month and a half of the season in total. So what's it been like as far as the step up in competition and just the overall vibe of games now that you're playing SEC teams? Because this is what you signed up for. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. I mean, it, it's electric, to be honest, and – and like you mentioned, this is what we signed up for. And the competition is is definitely a step up. I had a conversation with uh with Derek Diamond the other day after his after his start against Alabama, just mentioning that like in his eyes that was the the most he's had to fight in an outing dating back to, to Louisville last year. Um and I think that really speaks to the the quality of the competition. Louisville was ranked like number one, number two when they came in to play us last year. And, and that's now what we're up against every single week where I think saw something, you know, the rankings have jumbled up a little bit uh, from last week. But if you went off last week, our next three weeks, we're playing teams that were ranked in the top five. So that's the, that's the quality of competition that we've signed up for. And I mean, that's, I know for myself that's I want to see how I stack up against the best. And that's why ultimately I made the decision to come here is because it, it's, it's pretty well known in the baseball community as much as my West coast friends like to argue that the PAC 12 is better. Um, but the SEC is the best baseball conference in the country. And so if you can, if you can survive in the SEC and you can, go win in the sec then that means you're one of the best baseball teams in the country so i wanted to see how i stack up against that environment and that competition level and i can be more excited that we're we're finally into it 20 and 4 6 and 0 in the sec for the first time since 1964 what about this team outside of the obvious the talent being on the team but maybe the 
not in the stat book stuff, right? A lot of the stuff that I dismiss being analytically inclined, maybe clubhouse and all that kind of stuff and chemistry. And it feels like this team carried over last year as to where never too high, never too low, just going about your business and the results being what they are. Is that what makes this team able to sustain over the course of a season and continue to play well? Because you look at the 13-to-1 loss at La Tech and y'all just wash it and you had not lost since. It feels like y'all can reset pretty easily. Absolutely. I think one of the one of the big things that, and again, you see it on Twitter, but we, we were really the ones who, who felt it last year was everyone talked about the fun and, oh, we're having so much fun and we look like we're having so much fun out there. And I think that definitely carried over to this year. But more so, and I think even looking back to last year, I've seen it more this year that we're just never out of the fight. I think we've we've walked off like three or four games so far, and then you had Peyton hit the home run in the in the ninth on Friday this past week against Alabama in game one. And it just seems that like when you're playing us and you think you've got the momentum, like we're always there with our best punch right when we need it. And that's, I think, what really stands out to me is that other teams I've been on in the past, like through travel ball and stuff, there have been teams that I've played with with a lot of talent. But I think what makes us special is that we're always there when we need to be. That we've always got, we've always, it always seems we've got our three, four, five guys up when we need to win a game. Or we always have one of our best arms on the hill when we need to get out of an inning, get off the field. And that's what that's what really makes this team special in my eyes. It's just that we never we never give up and there's there's always fight left in us. What I like about your class in particular is it's filled, and I say this in the most respectful way possible, filled with a bunch of egomaniacs that go out there and believe that they're gonna beat the guy in front of them. Cause you have to be that way in baseball, right? You have to go out there and believe that you're better than the dude that is across from you. Otherwise, you're gonna get eaten alive. And your group is interesting because Ole Miss has been to Omaha once since the 70s, and that was in 2014. And for a lot of the local guys that come play at Ole Miss, they feel that pressure, I think, once they get to the postseason and they press maybe a little bit more. For you guys, it's just about being better than the other team. You're coming from Cali. You got Peyton coming from somewhere else. You got Derek coming from somewhere else. He's another Cali kid. In the belief that y'all are just better, and I think that's important. Yeah, you're sophomores, but still, the crux or core of this team, if you look at it across the board, is your class in particular and how it supplements the roster overall. And I think that cockiness that you have to have with baseball that your class has in spades is important. Absolutely. And and you look at, like, I mean, Peyton's a great example. You look at the way he goes about his business every day. He's got the, got the hip shimmy and all that stuff. And, like, if you're looking for guys that look scared, Peyton is the opposite end of the spectrum. And I feel like our class, kind of like you mentioned, is we've got a lot of guys that are on the other end of the spectrum of the, like, looking scared of the moment. Like, Derek goes out there every week and is just going to go compete and go throw his best stuff into the strike zone and give us a chance to win every time he's on the mound. You've got Drew has been – Drew McDaniel has been someone I've been personally really, really impressed with this year. I thought he had kind of gotten a couple tough breaks last year, um, be that in the inter-squads leading up to the year once the season actually started. But he is 
going back to this fall, threw the ball amazing through the fall, looked really, really crisp this spring. Every every bit of a guy that would be probably a, a weekend or a heck, maybe even a Friday starter anywhere else. But just because of the depth of arms that we have here, he ends up being the midweek guy to to start the year and a couple uh couple weekend starts he's gotten with Doug out, he's just looked awesome. Um but another guy that has just looked really, really great this year and not at all scared of the moment and just ready to go out and do it. Um, and I think that's, that really goes up and down the roster for us that, I mean, we've got the depth that not everyone is going to get to go out there every single, every single game, but whenever our number is called that I, I know every single guy trotting out of the bullpen or every single bat off the bench is going to go out there and be ready for that opportunity. I think for a lot of us that have grown up with Ole Miss baseball, I grew up around Ole Miss baseball. I'm from Mississippi. We don't know how much of a reach Ole Miss baseball has now nationally. It looks like in California that Ole Miss is a name. It's a brand. It's one that everybody – it's synonymous with college baseball for you guys. Even if maybe you don't know much about the program itself, you know about Ole Miss baseball. Is that kind of what got you – to this place, just that initial understanding of what Ole Miss baseball is, does it have that kind of pull to where the reputation goes all the way out west? To be honest, I didn't have as much of a background of, of Ole Miss baseball when when Carl Lafferty, Coach Lafferty, reached out to me. Um, but then I, I had kind of thought back, and I was like, man, I remember watching those uh, those season videos on YouTube, and they've got the got the super cool uniforms and, like, then you kind of do some more research and, and I'll never forget when I came here for my first visit, uh, Arkansas was in town. This was, I think 2018, uh, and Ole Miss was number four and Arkansas was number five. And I had grown up 15 minutes away from UCLA and my buddies and I would always go to UCLA games on Friday night and they'd be lucky to get a thousand people there. And I show up, Arkansas is in town. There's like 13,000 people here and the whole town is jumping. I'm like, holy cow, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And if I've got a chance to go play in front of all these people at the nicest stadium in the nation and a program that's that Coach B had mentioned that in the last like four years, we've got it's back and forth between Louisville and us as to who who's won the most baseball games that how the heck could you turn that down? So I yeah. guess that's the story it's, of how I ended it's up. The visit. Even, it's the visit, because I've heard that a number of times. Calvin Harris said that, Derek Diamond. when Derek, Because Derek's whole deal was interesting. It fell apart with Stanford, and then he becomes open again yeah. as far as recruiting goes. He comes to Ole Miss in that visit when you see 13,000, and it makes some people roll their eyes, oh, how much does that matter? Well, they don't understand that across the country, this is not normal. 13,000 people is not yeah. normal. Not at all. Not at all. And then I I kind of figured out quickly speaking to how far the Ole Miss brand stretches that maybe I was maybe I was the outlier not having quite as much of not having quite as much knowledge about it because as soon as I had committed then like my teammates in high school, like opposing teams were like, Oh wow, he's gonna go play at Ole Miss? Like, wow. Kind of speaking to how how strong a program that is um so i i think definitely there's the Ole Miss brand stretches 
stretches definitely outside of the South. And I mean, shoot, we've got, we've gotten Derek now out of California, Jacob Gonzalez. I played against in high school. He went to Glendora high school in California. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to kind of be a little bit of a pipeline for us in the future. Well, last one, I'll let you go. What does 100 or die that is embroidered on your glove? What does that mean? Oh, I, I, I watched the broadcast back this weekend and I was almost getting chirped by the announcers a little bit for it, <laughs> um, which I thought was sick. I'm super here for that. Um, but no, 100 or die is, is really, it's a mentality thing for me. And it's even more so a mentality thing off the field than it is on the field, but that I have my personal goals for what I want to do in the game of baseball. And I, I, I won't detail those, but I can tell you that they're pretty high. Um, and one of the things is year in, year out, throughout baseball, people are throwing the ball harder and harder and harder. And I think that maybe the best way or one of the best ways for me to achieve my goals would be for myself to continue to throw harder and harder and harder. And I think throwing a baseball hundred miles an hour makes getting hitters out easier than throwing the ball 90 miles an hour. So I've set that as one of my milestones for, or as a way to achieve the goals that I have. And so hundred or die is that I'm going to do everything in my power to maximize what my body can do to go be the best pitcher I can be and throw the ball as hard as I possibly can. And so that just encompasses everything off the field that I'm going to do everything I can until my body can't handle it, whether that's making sure I get enough sleep or making sure that I fuel my body the right way or the training and workouts that I bring my maximal intensity and focus to those. And then the other part of it is getting into the announcers chirping me a little bit for it is I'm putting it out there. I'm not just like having that as a, a goal, but that nobody knows about. And so that holds you accountable. I think using other people and putting things out into the ether to hold you accountable to where I get chirped for throwing the ball 93 miles an hour. I think that's great. And that helps keep me accountable to, you know, yeah, I said, I want to throw a hundred and the hardest fastball I've thrown this year is 94. I was up to 96 in the fall, but that's not a hundred. And so I've still got a ways to go. And that keeps me locked in on that every single day. So that, that is really the, the essence of a hundred or die. No sport likes to run fun out of its own game. Like baseball, just have fun. Let the kids play. Just shut the hell up. Let the kids play. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. There's, um, that's a, that's a story for another day, yeah. but I think baseball, baseball can get out of its own way a little bit. Embrace bat flips. Embrace Wes Burton talking all kinds of crap to his glove before he pitches. He's Wes Burton, Ole Miss sophomore reliever. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. Keep doing your thing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Ben. I really appreciate it. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.